All right, we're carrying on in this uh, series that we're doing uh, on the, on the uh, Sermon on the Mount. The series, of course, is, is B. A um, number of months ago, I was thinking about just praying and saying, Lord, where do you want us to take the congregation and, and graze? I really believe that we're sheep of God's pasture, and, and a lot of things that God wants to work in us aren't just single word or single sentence commands. How many have found out God will graze you in an area? Maybe it's about divine, uh, about divine healing or, or something. And so I felt the Holy Spirit tell me he, he wanted us to graze in the area of being. We're, we're in a... In a uh, culture where appearance is the big deal. You don't have to be honest, you just need to look honest. You don't have to be faithful, you just need to look faithful. I, I absolutely despise that. I would rather look stupid doing what's right than looking great while being a fraud. I think that, that reality is better than appearance. Now if you do what's right, you're going to appear right too. But the Bible teaches the be attitudes before the do attitudes. How many of you know that, that the first thing we can do is believe on the Lord Jesus Christ to begin to sincerely uh, or to genuinely take the sincere milk of the word that we can grow thereby. And as we grow in Christ, then we begin to be able to consume meat. Meat, according to Jesus, is doing the will and works of the Father. He said, my meat is to do the will of the Father. So that's the goal in this house is to help us to fall in love with Jesus and first receive from him. Don't come in and tell him, Lord, I want to do some cool things for you. He's not as excited about your cool things as just you, you being a conduit for his cool things. Thank you. My wife is so good. She'll always amen when the rest of you are glaring at me. You're being very bitter and nasty. <laughs> B precedes doing. B precedes doing. In Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, there's the guy that, that there's the group, they're cutting through the jungle and, and they're just happy and they're hacking away and somebody gets up on top of a big palm and says, wrong jungle. We needed to be going this direction. And, and so then all the happy hackers have to go and now, now cut the proper trail. And that's what we're going to be talking about today, is we're going to be talking about uh, five crucial relationships that a Christian needs to have working in their life. My wife is kind of a time management uh, uh, fan, and she teaches life management and time management and does such a great job. One of the illustrations that she uses is the big glass jar. And, and if you, you take sand, pebbles, and then larger rocks, and, and, and you say, put these rocks in this jar so that they're all in there, and they're all fitted in there, and, 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 and we can close the jar. Well, oftentimes what people will do is they'll take the sand and they'll put it in the bottom, they'll put the pebbles, and then they try to stack the big rocks, and they find out the big rocks are over the top. That, that they weren't able to close the lid because there's a trick to doing it right. And that trick is to put the big stones in first, then you shake down the smaller stones to where they fit, and then the sand will find its way throughout what's left, and you can get all the rocks into the jar. 
In the same way that there are certain truths that need to be primary in our lives and certain priorities that Jesus gives to us. And if we have those working in our life, all the small rocks and the sand and pebbles will, will work out okay. How many have found out that as you began to serve the Lord and follow his way and his will, there are certain things that drop by the wayside. They just weren't useful. You threw away your crack pipe, you threw away your bong, your nunchucks, your brass knuckles for the, the, the country western bar on Saturday night. Certain things you just drop aside. Okay, non-humorous uh, crowd today. Okay. So there are certain things that the Lord says, I want to put some big rocks in you and we can fit everything that's a priority if we get these five big truths working in our life. So we're gonna be reading from Matthew chapter seven, starting at verse one, and we're gonna break these up so I won't read all of the verses, but I will break them up into segments. The first thing that Jesus wants to deal with is our relationship with those around you. How many of you know that if you're going to raise good children, you try to teach them to play nice with the other children at the playground? Nobody wants to have the kid down at Hawthorne Park that chunks a rock into somebody else's child's head. It's, it, it's awkward to explain. My child has a demon. I'm going to beat them, which then puts you in county. And, you know, and so you teach your kids, gentle, be sweet. Get along with people around you. And Jesus says the same thing. He says this concerning judging, harshly judging those that are in the Christian game, those that are trying to do right, they don't need us to be critics of people that are in the game, sweating, doing their best. And so let's look at what he said. Judge not that you be not judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when there is the log in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Now it's interesting, this word for judge, the Greek word is the, the Greek word krino or krino, and it could be anything from, in your judgment, what's the best chewing gum? You know, my wife would, would chime in, she'd say cinnamon uh, chewing gum, right honey? That's what you love the most. For me, it's stuff I can chew for like a minute and flick it outside the car. It bothers me to have chewing gum. Now, peanuts and, 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 and other things, yeah, I'll take them. But that's a judgment, okay? Do you prefer to live in, uh, you know, Ashland or Medford? Do you prefer to drive a Toyota Prius or do you prefer the Tesla? I prefer the Tesla, just can't afford it. Okay, that's, 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 that, that's judgment. But the judgment that is revealed to us in this same Greek word, krino or judgment, here is a harsh, I'm going to damn you to hell judgment kind of thing. Do not put people in a box. Do not 
enslave somebody like you understand fully their motive and action. Do not judge others in order that you don't also have the microscope put on you. For, if, for with the same judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. Now, many people have used this to try to create this moral vacuum. Well, you know, I've, I've, I've got one of my children comes in and they, just, they, they announce to me they're 13 now and they've decided to sell drugs in our neighborhood. Okay, after their mom is done beating them, I'm starting in. Okay, judge not lest you be judged. Does, it does not mean that you have a huge ecclesiastical siphon come and suction out all moral judgment from your life. You need to render moral judgment. In other words, as we live the day, there's a reason we don't just grab the color TV from Walmart and walk out the front door and wonder why we're arrested. Because we have judgment in, in, our, in our mind. We've been told, no, no, that's stealing. We don't do that. We also don't steal potato chips from the 7-Eleven for the same reason. So we, we, I like people that have good judgment. I want my pilot to have good judgment. I want my bus driver to be a controller, stay between the ditches, get me to where I'm going, and then I, I'm happy. I'm here in Portland or I'm here in Seattle. Adios, thank you. Of $119 relationship, it was good and meaningful while it lasted. I move on. How many of you like controlling people in your life in the sense that they've got good judgment? But none of us want to be put in a box where, where people who, who are on the sidelines are kibitzing about especially our motivation. We're in the middle of a big basketball tournament. We're down to, I think, the final four in men's basketball. The Oregon Duck ladies, they're in, I think, the final four in women's. Go Ducks. I rooted for the Beavers. They got eliminated. I root for both. I'm a platypus. Anyway... Every time you see a game, you see crying guys on the, and women on the side. Because it's win or go home. And these guys, they're putting everything in. There's been some great basketball games that I've been able to watch in between other things that I've been involved in this week. But watching these guys, and a good coach does not go into the locker room and rebuke them. You guys are losers. You know, number two is, is first loser. You know, no. He's going to tell them, you know what? You guys left it on the court. Even the guy that maybe he, he held the ball too long and they stole the ball and they scored the winning layup because he, he should have passed off. He was still trying. His motive was right. And so, so good coaches teach their people, we win together, we lose together, keep your mouth shut. Don't judge the motivation. All day long, feel free to, to ask me about judgment calls, but please don't judge my motives. Among, among leadership and eldership at Joy, you will be removed as a leader at Joy if you go and witchcraft people by trying to tell people what their motivation was. We don't know the motivation. We call balls and strikes. You actually did veer across the lane and have a head on. That's the forensic evidence of the skid marks, et cetera, the accident, the fact you're in a, in a full body cast. Yeah, you did, you did do wrong. But it didn't mean you meant to do it. Judge not, lest you be judged. 
And so that's the first half of the first uh, aspect of relationship with others. The second thing is, just as you're not supposed to uh, judge harshly those people trying to do right, you're also not supposed to just have no moral judgment and throw your um, pearls before the swine. So the second temptation, we fight the temptation to harshly judge others is first. The second is the temptation to give holy things to profane and sacrilegious people. Do not give dogs what is holy and do not throw your pearls before pigs lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. Wow, what a year of media. You know, this party and that party and independent parties, everybody's looking to catch somebody as an offender for a word. Okay? Think about, about what it means to throw your pearls before a swine. Not everybody in your life is going to appreciate if you tell them about your, the prophetic word spoken over your life. There are people like, oh yeah, sure. And that's what God said you're going to be, uh-huh, right. You know, I try to have discernment. There's certain conversations I don't open up until I know that there is someone who treasures the values and things that I treasure, like the things of God. My, my relationship with God, though it's, it's public, it's also very private. It's intimate talking to Father God. And, and, and so some things I share publicly, there are other things I treasure in my heart because it just wasn't the time or it isn't the time. Some things surprise you. I'd felt like years ago that God was going to, you know, give us a chain of churches that we were going to plant. And all of a sudden we were surprised when he began to open up that door. And so I was able to share people. Yeah. In fact, Bill Scheidler actually came to a meeting and he said, yeah, I remember Steve talking about this when he was 20 years old. You know, there's certain things I just thought, well, maybe that was just my youthful thinking. And all of a sudden, God breaks through. And so special treasures, I don't just give it to every, every Gentile that wants to trample it. Again, <laughs> you don't need to put everything on Facebook. You're inviting pigs and dogs to analyze your stuff. Okay. Anyway, or maybe you're putting stuff on Facebook because you're, you're the pig and the dog and you're seeking to trample others. Anyway, oh boy, oh boy. I need to move on. <laughs> the second thing is your relationship with God in prayer. So your re first relationship is how do you work with others? Second, how do you relate to God? Ask and it will be given to you. In the Greek, that's, that's a statement of something that starts in time and, and continues. Ask, and it will be given to you. Or ask and keep on asking. Seek, and you will find. Or seek and keep on seeking, and you'll find. Knock and keep on knocking, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks it will be opened. Okay, I gave an illustration of being uh, in the morning service about my children. Um, uh, they, they were hounders, okay? For 12 years, we had a dog named Marco, Marco the Bisto. And, uh, and um, I knew I was had when 
um, Johnny and Gino kept looking at dogs on internet. Internet can be like the devil. And so they were going through websites, here's huskies. We went to see a husky and Kim's face puffed like a balloon. I said, I don't think mama will live if that dog comes home. And so we drove on and three days later she was back to being normal again. But we ended up with Marco because the persistent of two sons, daddy, daddy. And then I knew I was had when the mom, they worked mom. Don't you think they should have a dog? I said, it'll be me raising that dog. And I've been cussed by every neighbor in our neighborhood for Marco's sake. <laughs> I mean, realistic. He's pooped on everybody's lawn. He prefers their lawn than ours. And it happened because of persistence. Knock, knock, knock. The kids knew that if they could get me to say yes, it was a done deal. I remember the time that they wanted to go to Disneyland, and so they decided to come like the Mongolian hordes attacking a walled city in Europe. And so Jake would come in and goes, Dad, could we go to Disneyland? Yeah, maybe. They know that until I say deal, it's not a deal. Do you think, you think it'd be fun to go? Yep, think it'd be fun. Does that mean we're going, no, but it means I think it'd be fun. So in comes Jake, and he's asking me, and Natalie, and, and then, uh, you know, Gino and Johnny. And then the next day, it's on again, and it's on again, it's on again. So finally, it was Natalie's turn, and she comes up. She goes, hey, Daddy, um, do you think that we could go to Disneyland? And by then, I'd actually realized that we probably did need to take them. And, and so Mom and I had talked, and, and so we knew that we could do it. And that comes up, and hey, Dad, can we go to Disneyland? And I, I purposely did it really soft. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you know Natalie's intensity, it's like, okay, her eyes just bore a hole through the back of my head. Did, did you say yes? And I said, yes. And yes sounds a lot like yes. She tore off through the house. Jake, Johnny, Gino. Dad said yes. How many of you know that's a real key to not breaking your kids' hearts? Don't say meaningless stuff that you're not planning on doing. Anyway, we're talking about Father God. This teaching goes on, it says, Or which one of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, or relatively evil, compared to him, he's perfect, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Now this, Jesus does extreme things. Like when he's talking about not judging, he uses extreme between a, a splinter and a log. Isn't that overkill, Jesus? Sometimes I go overboard, and, uh, and, and, and I realize I'm in good company. Jesus does too. You're like concerning lust. Just poke your eye out. You know, you get sued in America. You tell people, you know, you got a lust problem. Here's, here's, here's a letter opener. <laughs> Cure it. Okay, next thing, Joy Christian Fellowship and Associates will be sued, you know. But Jesus got away with stuff like that. You got a problem with your, your, you know, you can't stop stealing, cut off your hand. Mm. 
That doesn't fly in modern counseling. Okay, you're trying to get a speck out of someone else's eye, but you got a whole log. It's kind of like a guy, you know, he's got peeler core coming out of his eye, you know. <laughs> yeah. You having a hard time seeing? <laughs> no, I see clearly. It's that idiot over here with the speck. So Jesus says pretty outrageous things, and he's also doing that concerning what you'd feed your child. He said, if your son asks for bread, will you give him a stone? The answer is not unless you're a major abuser. You're going to give him bread. Even if you're not the nicest dad, even if you, sometimes your bedside manners aren't the best, you're still not going to give a kid a rock. Here, rock soup for dinner. Or if he asks for a fish, we'll give him a serpent. If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? There's some principles here. Number one, God responds to persistent, consistent inquiry. Okay, please feel free to keep knocking on the door. If you're lonely and want to get married, don't go in front of the singles group. You know, you know this is a singles group that I've been in here for a long time, and I'm really content being single. Okay, you're not content. Tell everybody, hey, look, you guys, I'm not content. Get it? <laughs> I'm believing God. God is going to take care of this. He's going to send the right guy. I want everybody praying for me. Me first. Pray for me. Lord, me first. Wow. That, that daughter of mine is down there knocking, seeking, consistently Oh my gosh, all of heaven, big old bullhorn in heaven. I'm lonely down here. Get me a man. <laughs> Natalie was doing that, and God said, I'll send you Riley a man. And uh, then he came. Come on now. Why are we so blooming, opaque, and fake? Shouldn't God's house be the reality place? Where we come to God's house and we say, this is, this is what's on my heart. I've got kids on drugs. We're losing the house. I don't know. I'm mad at God. I'm mad at you. I'm mad at everybody. I'm mad, I'm mad at Aunt Bertha. That's cool. I find that I've, I've had people come in. I love it when people come in to beat me up in my office. Like, before you punch me, could we talk? They've got some pathos. They've got some passion. We can, go, we can do business. What you can't do business with is boneless chicken. Your life's falling apart. Yeah. <laughs> do you want to do anything about it? Nah. Do you want me to do anything about it? Nah. Do you need God's help? Well, if he really wants to do something. No, I think he wants to leave you. You're very happy in your catatonic Boneless chicken state. God works with passionate people. That's why he could take a guy like Saul of Tarsus. Dude was going up and down the road capturing Christians because he thought they were heretics. God said, I'm going to tell that guy he's going to get beat up. He's going to be persecuted. He's going to suffer much. But he's also going to take my gospel in front of kings and rulers. And Paul never shirked from the beatings and things. He said, this is my role. I was able to give it. I can take it. I'm for God. 
God's looking for some people. One guy said it this way. He said, everyone's yelling about, I just want to do God's will, as they're getting totally devastated by Satan. One guy said this, God's looking for someone that has a little will of their own. What are you asking for? What are you knocking for? What are you seeking for? What do you say, God, give me children lest I die? God, let there be a holy church in the city of Medford standing up. Stand up, guys, in the middle of a bow-down generation. Let it happen, Lord. God responds to persistent, consistent inquiry. Number two, he's universal in answering the request of all petitioners. Income makes no difference. He hears poor people's cry. He hears middle income. He hears rich people's cry. Income doesn't make a difference. Family background doesn't make a difference. Well, I don't think God wants to deal with me. I come from dysfunction. We all do. Ever since Adam, it's been a dysfunctional uh, mess. Social or marital status makes no difference. Racial or ethnic background makes no difference. God doesn't care what color you are. He doesn't care if you're mixed. Hallelujah. I'm looking for the day when we're so intermarried, we, we all look like, like, like cocoa-colored Eurasian kind of people. We're just one big blend, and we're all over the racial garbage. There's only one race on the earth. It's called the human race. And out of one blood, he's made all men that we could search for him and grope for him, though he's not far from any of us. We need to love all people. And every person needs to be able to enter into these doors and find a house of prayer where we're saying, your inquiry, your persistent hounding, your obsessing over some things are welcome in the ears of God. He affirms earthly parents. The third point I have under this but then he elevates himself above them. He said, you, you, even though you, you're relatively evil compared to me, you wouldn't do this to your kids. Now think about your dad leaning over the fence. Because the thing that the devil always does is question your father's judgment. And he's saying, do you think maybe I'm leaning over the fence of your life and I care about how the game is played? I care about what you're going through and I can give you more than just a fish or bread for in Christ are all the riches of knowledge and virtue. I want you to fall in love with Father God. How beautiful he is. Wow. And the final is that he Reinforce his role as our heavenly father. Your dad is God. That's heavy. Third area is your relationship to all mankind. The golden rule. So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. For this is the law and the prophets. So, sow some kindness. You know? Sometimes people feel like, well, nobody will be my friend. You frown and you have your eyes lowered and you run by people. It looks like you're attending a crisis. Want to be my friend? So good to get Johnny out of the hospital and, 
You know, my nickname for Johnny is Spanish is El Gran Sonrisa, you know. It's good to have the big smile at home, but here's how Johnny enters the room. <laughs> He'd go to his appointment with the guillotine like that. I understand you guys are beheading me today. Isn't God good? <laughs> There's so much to praise God for. Come on, Johnny. Let's give him a hand for getting out of that hospital. Wow. Just smile. If you're older like myself, there are people who are going to write us off because they're old. <laughs> Don't trust anyone over 30. Man, I can barely remember 30. <laughs> but do to others like you'd like them to do to you. How about starting with the person that really muffs it and rather than kick them down and judging, you're the first one to just say, hey, my glory and the lifter of my head is God. I don't want to leave you in this broken, bloodied, rejected state. I don't know about you, but I like to show mercy because I need it. I like to be generous in my giving because I need God's generosity in my finances and other areas. What, whatever you want to do, this is a relationship with all mankind. Well, I think I need to be, uh, you know, follow the golden rule when it comes to the church people. No, you need to follow the golden rule when it comes to people. The fourth thing is relationship to holiness, which is also called obedience. Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many, for the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. Very interesting that you know, a lot of people like to say, well, Old Testament God was kind of harsh and New Testament, you know, he learned his lesson and he got sweet. But I, I want to tell you that God's demands are very, uh, very uh, firm. Uh, very, very uh, above our, our, our consciousness of thinking. When you consider how this earth is going to end, all non-family will not go to heaven. That means that whether you're German or Norwegian, African-American, you're Chinese, you're Thai, Filipino, uh, listen, some of the ethnic groups just blended here today. If you are not a part of the family of God, you go to the special spot for non-family. It's called the Lake of Fire. That's why with urgency, we tell people about the way of salvation. And so we have this reinterpretation right in our own community. You have, you have people that are trying to, they're trying to bring people to Christ, but they're lying to them. If, if, if I want to quote someone, find someone who speaks, take their actual quote. Jesus said that narrow is the gate that leads to life, and few be that find it, and, and incidentally, it's hard. 
I don't know about you, keeping my eyes on my fries so the McBurglar didn't steal them, walking with Jesus fervently since I was 16 has been great, it's been rewarding, but it's hard. Because Satan finds multiple ways to get under your skin. He will, he will stir up people around you. He will try to hurt your marriage. He'll try to bring you into lust. He'll assign people that will tell you, you're too good. You should leave that man. You're putting with, up with way too much. How many have found out that there's lots of white noise out there in public land that's working on your head, it's working on your kids, it's working on the church, Jesus is an expert on Jesus. And the Sermon on the Mount is inordinately filled with designations of hell. If your eye offends you, in context of lust, we are in a marketing program in our culture to sell everything with lust. You gotta be nearly naked to sell anything today. I mean, why do I need to show up like in a Speedo to sell butter for cooks? <laughs> Hi, my name is Lance Romance, and I'm here to tell you that Lando Lakes is the best butter. What? People look at me, they say, eye candy, inappropriate, and I agree. Come on now, has anyone noticed that everything is like lust? Jesus lust cure. Poke your eye out. Jesus, that's not Christ-like. He said it. He said it's better that you would enter into heaven with one eye than two good eyes into hell flames. Well, I was hoping that what this one teacher said, that there's not going to be any hell and there's not going to be any judgment. Wrong. Hebrews 9.27 still exists and it says, as it is appointed unto men once to die, then comes the judgment. We will be reviewed by our walk. And Paul, who was very, very vigilant, said this. He said he labored that he could receive the first resurrection, meaning the resurrection of the righteous. Holiness churches, it's so good to have Donovan and Amber Assembly of God, pastor friends of mine for years, and, and, uh, and, and we're all from the holiness background. How many of you were raised up in the holiness churches? And, and so sometimes people say, well, holiness churches, because there are the people that the gals all have their hair in the bun, no makeup. And, and I'm cool, you know. I'm not going to throw stones. Man, teach, teach the word. If you're bun people, you're bun people. Here, we kind of tell the ladies if the barn needs paint and paint it, spackle it, keep it fixed, you know. But that doesn't mean we're not a holiness church. Because holiness means we fear God. We tremble at his word. When Jesus says that you need to enter by the narrow gate, and it is in fact hard, and there's so few that enter there, you know what that tells me? Either Jesus has to have lied or I need to have a relationship with holiness. Holiness is not a, a thing of intellect. Holiness is a thing of compliance. 
do you really believe there's going to be a separation of sheep and goats? Do you really believe that, that when Jesus pierces that eastern sky and every eye sees him, that he's going to say, everybody out of the pool, it's time to receive your pay. You're being paid for righteousness or you're being paid for your unrighteous, unrighteousness, but nobody is going to be left unpaid for who they are and what they do. So right after the Beatitudes, we're getting into some do attitudes. Do this, do holiness. Isaiah 35 says, concerning the highway of holiness, said, though a fool walks therein, he'll not be led astray. I don't know about you, I kind of feel foolish at times. I'm simple. And I want to stay holy. He conveyed me out of the kingdom of darkness. And there's a lot of white noise that wants my attention and your attention. Get bitter, get hateful, get judgmental, gossip, slander. Get involved on your devices, young people. Sext, text. Look at porno. You guys all know that your folks, in many cases, don't understand how easy it is for you to get on porno wherever you want to all over town. And you know that so many of your age group are doing it. And unfortunately, so many kids that even come here are doing that. And I will tell you this, they face the potential of hell's flames. And so, so what's it going to take? It's going to take young people that stand up and say, no, 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 not in my house, not, 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 not with me. Well, the Lord kind of knows I have a problem with porno, and he's kind of just, he just loves me the way I am. If he loved you the way you am, why is he so blazingly diligent to change you? The Bible said he loves you for what he has made you to be in Christ. You're made in his image. And in this walk, we're going to be graded on how we cooperated with the reality of what he made us to be. Or we, will we demand to be graded on under Adam's grading? I want to stay in grace. I want to cooperate with the works of grace. I want to have a relationship with holiness. The last one is relationship to false prophets. It goes on, and I won't read the whole thing, but false prophets, they come in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they're ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Over the years, I've been very frank. Sometimes I can be brutal. Sometimes I can look mean. You can judge me by my toot and my flute. I don't like that fat guy. He's got an attitude. He's up in my grill. Judge me by my fruit. What comes out of our ministry? You go, go check out Aaron and see what doctrine he's teaching. See if he and Danny believe in holiness, if they believe in raising good kids, if they believe that the Great Commission should be the first thing we respond to. Go up and see Jake and Bethany. Go down to see Jamie and tell them that you want to, you know, get involved in a lot of cerveza tipping down there. Because it's cultural in Mexico, she's going to tell you, no, it's cultural in the joy world movement that we want to stay clean and sober so we can rescue the borrachos and we can help people get on. Judge me by my fruit. 
judge me, judge me by Jake, Gino, Johnny, and Natalie. Judge me by my motive towards my grandkids. Judge me by my motive towards your children. So many times people will fight for the right to allow their kids to be esteemed as dirt in the street. But it will never be me. I will always ask people to take the higher standard, take the narrow way, take the path very often forsaken, the path of holiness, the path of this is what Irby's will do and not do. Well, everybody does this, Dad. That may be. But as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. <laughs> I'm going to finish up one, just one, one additional hour and I'll be done. So, just a couple minutes. In, in, in the Old Testament, they had false prophets. That, I mean, guys with like a horn on their head and they're prophesying craziness. But in the New Testament, that isn't going to be the seduction that's major. It says that in the last days that they will have seductive teachers. It's false teaching that come in as the false prophets in the last days. Some of the teachings that are adrift, that you come to Jesus, you no longer have a sin nature. Then throw away a good part of Galatians 6. Throw away Paul's wrestling with his humanity in, in, in chapter 6 and 7 of Romans. Let me tell you something. Even in the Lord's Prayer, you need to bring the devil up. Lord, lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from the evil one. Even in the Lord's daily prayer recommendation, he said, you better bring the devil into your prayer because you battle against powers. And, 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 and so these doctrines, they're lulling a good part of the American church to sleep. They don't believe this in Iraq. The Christians there don't believe this. They don't believe this in Iran. And they don't believe it in Saudi Arabia. They don't believe it in China. They don't believe it in Africa. They don't believe it in the emerging Christian blast of, of evangelism out of Singapore and throughout, you know, the Philippines. They all believe in holiness. But in America, because, you know, well, we just are whatever we think we are. Jesus' words weren't serious. But look at the fruit. If the fruit is nobody's children wants to carry on this faith, if they all want to get caught up with, the, with, with, with worldliness, then you have to say, track it back to the root. The fruit will not lie. It will always reflect what the root is. I say, let's stay rooted in holiness. Let's stay rooted with the relationships proper. Stand up with me. I don't know about you, I feel like I've earned my money today. <laughs> if you feel like I can see right through you, the Lord can. Jesus didn't give these five big rocks to just break our little glass case. He could have just taken one of them and went, Tush! Teaching is to warn us. 
Paul told the Ephesian elders, he said, you remember how I didn't withhold anything from you. And for the space of three years, I warned you daily with tears. What did the Apostle Paul, who was the most faith-baptized guy, why did he warn with tears? Why did Peter and these people foresee? Why did Moses weep over Israel? Because he said, I see in the future, you're going to walk away. Why did Solomon make such a beautiful prayer in 1 Chronicles 5? God, when your people get baptized and stupid and they're taken away captive, would you hear their prayer? Would you return them to the land? God spoke to Solomon and said, Solomon, I've heard your prayer. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart. Come take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. Church, I pray that we'd have a holiness revival. Don't wait for a flash of fire to touch someone else. We need to be able to say, God, it's not my brother, it's not my sister, but it's me, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. Lord, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth and this earth. Let me be before I do. Let me house the Holy Spirit. Let me not party with the dogs and the pigs. Let me not throw stones at my brothers that are trying. But God, escuche mi Señor. Hoy necesita tu poder para cambiar a su presencia y a su persona. Help me, God, now to pray and be changed into your person and likeness. Sometimes we should leave God's house, our heart just burning. God, I gotta talk to you about this. Lord, I wanna be a stand-up person in the middle of a bow-down generation. Application, be a doer and not a judger or a critic. Number two, study the love of the Father and apply it personally in prayer. You're so loved. God's crazy about you. Please bug him. He'll give you the stuff. Go ahead and bug him. Rather than the silent treatment, apply the golden rule to everyone. Enter in by the narrow gate. And finally, beware of false prophets. Their fruits will give them away. Watch these teachings that make Christians less vigilant. Watch these teachings that deny that we have a sin nature. Look at the fruit and it'll betray the root. Hallelujah. Right now is a holy moment. Is anybody feeling like the presence of the Holy Spirit working in your head and mind and spirit? Right now I want to make an offer. If you came to this place and you say, you know, I haven't walked with God for years or maybe I've never called on God and I, I want in. I can tell by being here and the praise and worship and preaching, God's here and I want to join God.
The truth of the matter is God's done everything to join you already. Jesus was sent from heaven to live the perfect life. He died on the cross to take away your sins. But the Bible said you must believe and you must call on the name of the Lord. You got to believe in your heart and you got to call on his name. If you are willing to do that, you can become born of God. You can become a believer. He's obviously going to fill you with his spirit. He's going to change your world. You're going to find addictive behavior is challenged and drops off. You're going to find out there's a new code working within you. And you're going to hunger to be with God and his people and his word. Bow your head, everyone, if you, you would, just bow your head for a moment. If you're here and you say, hey, I, I want God. I, I want to receive Jesus today. I want the Lord to forgive me. I need help. I need him. Raise your hand if you're here and you say, I want to, I see a hand there. Okay, let's see, I see another hand here. Okay, keep going. How many more? I see two hands here. Okay, about four so far. Hallelujah. People are unashamedly lifting their hands because why? Because it's a good day when you lift your hands and say, I need God. I need God. I need God. Man, man can't cure what I need. Man can't cure what we need. Okay, I see those hands. And, 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 and right now, let's all pray together. If you sincerely will pray this prayer, then there's going to be a little instruction on how to walk with God. Welcome, you guys. Welcome to the family of God. Pray this with me. Dear Father, I'm here not to talk about someone else, but I'm here to talk about me. I need you, God. Father, you're kind. You're merciful. You have done everything for me to be a Christian, for me to be saved from destruction. I pray, oh God, change my heart, change my mind, make me new on the inside. You said, if I call on your name, I would be saved. I'm calling on your name right now. You also said, if I call on your name, I would not be ashamed. Take away the shame of those things those sins, those failures in my life. I'm calling, you're removing my shame. Dear God, if you'll be my God, I'll be your servant. If you'll be my father, I'll be your child. I receive you this day, dear Father, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Yeah.